Welcome to The Spotlight. My name is Sophia Hernandez. Today we are talking to somebody who I'd like to consider an expert in emotional wellness. She is a champion for mental health and pushes for feeling your feels. She has a charisma and an energy that for both strangers and friends, you just feel understood. She also recently went through her own tragedy, losing her mother to breast cancer this past year. In today's episode, we are talking about how to deal and navigate with grief and how important it is to put mental health into the conversation. Today in the spotlight is Sloan Warrench. My name is Sloan. Um, I graduated from the University of Central Florida in May and I majored in psychology. Um, throughout college, I did a lot of internships more in the creative field. I started as a kind of like a communications major and then also visual art. So I did a lot of things in like the government uh, area doing social media. And then I did, um, I worked at like a little Moss startup and I worked for the athletics department doing video production, but ultimately like chose psychology because I'm really fascinated by like the human experience and loved all of my classes. And now I'm currently, I think I'm a human being and trying not to be a human doing. <laughs> That's where I'm going to go with that. I love that. I love that. A human being and a human doing. Yeah. That is amazing. I'm going to steal that. that. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, can you tell me a little bit, um, obviously I know you personally, uh, my sister and you are good friends and, uh, I know you lost your mom earlier this year. Can you tell me a little bit about that? So my mom passed away in August and she passed away from a rare form of an aggressive or an aggressive and rare form of cancer. Um, so, you know, I, knew that she wasn't completely unexpected. Um, I knew that she, you know, we all knew that she was sick and going through, you know, chemotherapy. Um, but the way that it happened, my mom did enter hospice, you know, kind of unexpectedly, I'd say for sure. Um, and yeah, so I don't know, it's been like, a, I think even talking about it, I'm like, I sometimes have to be like, did that happen? Um, because it was so much and I think I'm still processing it. I've, you know, this is, has only been four months. Um, so I'm kind of like right in the middle. I think, I mean, I think it'll affect me. It absolutely will affect me for the rest of my life and something that I'm constantly processing and something I'm like, wait, you know, my mom really isn't here. And then sometimes I go into like in accepting it a little bit more. And sometimes I'm just still really shocked by the situation and, and that whole like journey of not only was it just months, it was like, you know, a year of everything really, you know, happening. And then also this journey of me grieving too. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think too, you kind of touched upon it, right? You knew your mom was sick, yeah. but death, I think in whatever case and form, you know, is still unexpected or we're still never really fully prepared for it when it happens. Yeah. So how did you face this death of a loved one? You're, yeah, no, you're never prepared. My cousin actually lost his dad when he was 18 and his dad died immediately, like very tragically. Um, and we would like kind of be like, oh, you know, because it, it's so different. Like having someone die immediately has its pros and its cons. I mean, it's awful, obviously, either way. And then my mom knowing, you know, I, you know, I sat there with my family next to her every single day knowing 
she was going to die knowing. So it was like, you're sitting there and you're like, I mean, I, I was, I, that was like, obviously the hardest time. Um, because it was like, I want this to end so bad. Like I am so anxious. I don't know if I'm going to see my mom in the next second, the next day. And it's so hard watching people that you love, obviously, you know, dying really. But then what's after that is like, you're not even looking forward to what's after. Cause you're like, that is hell too. Like it's all, it's all just like torture. It's torture on both sides. So um, no, I, I don't think you ever like, I don't know if you ever really come to terms. Maybe it's just my process, but um, you know, I always thought about what that moment would be like when, you know, cause I, I knew it was coming at some point. I just didn't know when. So, you know, I remember constantly like trying to prepare myself for that moment. Um, and then it comes and it's of course different than you ever thought it would be. And then everything after that is, you know, you just take it as it comes. Let's talk a little bit about that because I think that's the imperative part. Um, I have a friend who recently just lost her mom and that's what I was thinking. And, you know, my head is the, what it's the pain that I feel for her, not because, you know, there's this wonderful woman who is now not here on this earth anymore, but really because I know the pain that she's now going to have to experience every day that follows after. Right. So it's that grief. Yeah. What has that process been like for you and kind of number one, coming to terms with it, but trying to understand it and overcome it day in and day out? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's hard because I think, you know, before my mom actually, you know, died, she ended up, you know, I, you're kind of already grieving, you know, and from the, from the year before, you know, my mom, when she was initially diagnosed and then when she started chemotherapy and then, you know, when she entered hospice, like you're constantly grieving a part of your mom. Like my mom was constantly running around, like always, like always just doing something like full of life, full of energy. And she started like when she did chemotherapy, like slowing down a little bit. And then, you know, like, you know, there were times where like, I didn't necessarily go to my mom for the things that I usually would go to because she's like going through like these treatments and like, that's just not what we're talking about, you know? And, and so you're already starting to grieve and this like loss of a life that you thought you would have, the life that you did once have, um, yourself that like the person that you were before all of this happened um, but I guess to circle back to your question, um, you know, I always thought, oh my God, I'm literally going to have to go through the hardest time of my life. How the frick am I, <laughs> my logic course on here. How the fuck am I supposed to grieve my mom without her here? Like guiding me through this hardest time of like the hardest time of my life without her even here. And I was like, it just felt so daunting, you know, and it still feels incredibly daunting. Um, I think there's so much that I didn't expect. I think like in terms of like it's been extremely isolating and and how do you like I felt like for a while like no one understands what I'm going through because I am super young and I lost my mom at a really young age and not many people can relate to that like for you even too yeah. and that's a, that's a good point to bring up like the isolation because I do and the daunting you know in, in talking to oh, a yeah. friend of mine you know I think that's kind of what she kept reiterating, like, 
I almost want nothing to do with anyone because it's so overwhelming and it's so, you know, it's just a lot. It's a lot. And nobody really knows what the other person is going through except for that person that's going through it. Right. Um, now at the space where you're at, you know, kind of four months after, where do you feel like you kind of sit with your grieving process and when maybe those feelings come up, how, how you kind of deal with it? So I think like, I think the biggest thing I've learned is, and that I'll continue to learn is there, I come to, it's always like, I come to this point, I'm, you know, it's like this deep despair and deep sadness. Right. And I go to therapy every week. Um, and I am like, it's very important that I've learned, um, just to sit with my feelings and not run away from them, even when it's really hard. And it's like feelings I've never felt before because it's deep. It's like super deep and it's hard. And, you know, I sometimes sit there and I'm just like so sad or I'm so angry and I'm like, you know, I'm such like a proactive person. I feel like and I'm always looking for a solution. And it's like, there is no solution. Like no one can tell me anything that'll make me feel better. No one can bring back my mom. Like that's just not possible. And what do you have to do? Like the only way out is through and there is no out. Like there is no out. It's just like, how do you move forward with this tragedy? And just, I think, I think what I always come back to is just like, okay, let's feel it. Like feel everything that you're feeling. And I just there and I'm like, yeah, I really miss my mom. I wish she was here right now and just let it be like, there doesn't have to be a solution. Like hard things are just hard. And like, there is no easy way out, you know, like there's just not. Um, and that's usually what I come back to. I kind of love that. I kind of love that because I think that that applies in a, in a lot of other difficult, uh, yeah, difficult situations, right. For, if you could think of like three things, mm-hmm. um, and they can be big or small, but that have kind of again, guided you in this process. And for now, somebody that is dealing at the beginning stages of this, either finding out that a loved one is sick or finding out that someone has died, you know, how they're going to, the three things that you've learned in this process that have helped to move you forward. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of like, if you are having more of a role as like a caregiver, um, and hearing news for the first time, I think like a lot of people told me, oh my gosh, like take time for yourself. And I remember hearing that and I was like, yeah, absolutely not. Like I didn't work out for six months because, and I didn't, I barely ate, like I didn't take care of myself at all. And and I wanted to spend every second I had with my mom and I did. And so I would say really don't take that advice, like do what feels right. And for me, it was like, nope, I'm not going to take any of that advice. I'm going to sit there with my mom every second that I have. Um, so do whatever feels right for you. And there is no right way to do it. And I think that leads me into if you are grieving and if I'm, you know, like I said, four months and I have so much to learn and figuring out how to move forward with this is a lot. Um, so I think there is no right or wrong way to grieve, which has been a huge lesson of mine, especially even like with your siblings, my siblings and I have all grieved incredibly differently and accepting how they grieve is, has been a big part of, you know, what I've learned. Um, I think something that's helped me is there's like, I have a really close friend. She's 30. She lost her mom when she was um, like the same age as I was. And she was there for me, like literally the whole entire time. 
And so knowing that, oh my God, there are people out there who are living and like surviving with a loss and knowing like people are living without, you know, a parent, um, as daunting as it seems. Um, I think, you know, I was listening to this podcast the other day and it was about parents who lost a child of a, of Sandy Hook, a child in the Sandy Hook shooting. And she said something about your heart and how like, there's this void that will never be filled and no one could possibly ever fill it again. But it's like, you don't have to fill it with something, you know, else because like a person, but you can put a little blanket on it of like so much love and of support. And I try to tell myself when, when I've noticed myself like pushing people away or being like, no one understands me um, or no one's saying the right things. It's like, just like put a bunch of blankets on it, put a bunch of cozy blankets and pillows and stuffed animals on it and like let the love in and, you know, just more love, you know? Do you feel like that's been difficult? Because I think too, as, as people right on the outside, looking into someone who is grieving, the human response naturally is to want to jump in and help and assist, right? We want to be, you know, showering, be the blankets. We want to shower with love and we want to shower with support, but not all the time is that what the person wants. How has that kind of been navigating, you know, what you know you need versus, you know, how people want to contribute and help in a way that they feel you might want? Yeah. I mean, I think that was difficult for me, especially in the beginning. Um, and it's actually interesting because a lot of, you know, people would text me a lot, a lot of times and my mom was sitting right there. Like she started, she would help me kind of with the, this process when she was right there. And she always told me, she's like, she's like Sloan, like compassion, like have compassion. People just want to love and help you and like support you and just like let that in and don't be so hard on people. And I was like really hard on people in the beginning. I was just so angry. Like I felt like my life was stolen from me. I felt like someone took my mom away and like, I just want to be mad at everyone. And, you know, my friend told me like that would lessen over time. And it definitely has not to say like, I don't get angry sometimes, but coming back to a place of like, God, people just want to help and they don't know what to say. And I'm expecting my friends who are 22 to have the perfect thing to say to me when, you know, it's, they just, they don't, and it's not their fault because before this, I would have never said the right thing. And also even going through this experience, I probably wouldn't say the exact right thing for someone else because everyone needs something different. Um, And yeah, I think the biggest thing is just not expecting, you know, 22 year olds to have the best answer when like, especially if you haven't experienced a loss and just like being, giving like people grace, you know? A hundred percent. I think you hit the nail on the head with that. And I know before, obviously all of this, you have always really been passionate about mental health. And as you said, understanding human emotion and understanding us as beings and kind of emphasizing that and the importance of that and taking time for yourself and doing what you need to do, which is the birth of Zenzo Club. So can you tell people (laughs) a little bit about that, kind of where that idea all sparked from? So yeah, I have like always really been, I mean, it's not always, I feel like at the start of college was like really the start of um, me being really passionate about mental health. Um, I think before college, if you were like, oh, anxiety, depression, I'd be like, what? Like I never even gave those things a second thought. 
but I went to college out of state and then I ended up transferring and going through, you know, some personal struggles and um, realized like I just had so much anxiety and I didn't even know what anxiety was at the time. Um, and I was just going through a lot, honestly. And I started talking about it, you know, and I figured like all of these other people in college were like also going through their own struggles. And I think when we talk about mental health, it's like, you either have it or you don't, but I, I personally don't think that's true. I think it runs on like this continuum and everyone has mental health, just like they have their physical health. And there's so many things, especially for young women and especially in college who have, you know, whether it's relationships or grief, loss, um, family issues, um, body image. I mean, there's so many things that affect someone's mental health and no one was talking about it. And so I just you know, wanted to create a space where people could talk about it. And I don't know, it's like, I constantly think about how we can create a, have a conversation about mental health and take away the stigma that always has a chair at the table, you know? And I think a big thing is talking about it, which um, when you asked me to be on here, I was like, absolutely. Because now I've like experienced grief and I'm like, we need to talk about grief because grief isn't talked about enough. And the more you talk about it, the less people feel alone. And the more open they're like, or the, the more they feel like they can talk about it or what they're feeling is valid, you know, because maybe someone's on here talking about, you know, this thing. And I feel like that too. And it just helps people feel less alone. And I think you brought up a good point, breaking the barriers of the stigma, right? Because yeah. I think it's just something that I don't even know what it could be compared to, but it's either that people don't want to admit that they that they have it, right? Yeah. Or that people don't want to admit that they're feeling some kind of way and that they don't want to sit with that feeling or whatever it is or face it head on. How do we even get that conversation started? What have you noticed, you know, in, in having Zenzo and what people want to talk about and what people want to learn more about? I think I've learned that people don't want to talk about mental health because like, talking about it makes you like the crazy one or like, am I, am I the psycho one? I'm, I, you know, I'm schizophrenic. Like there's so much stigma and like shame around the conversation. Yeah. And like, you don't want to be the crazy one. Right. So it's like, but someone has to come out and talk first about it, you know, and make people feel like, okay, like she's talking about it. She must not be crazy. You know? Um, I honestly, I think just people talking about it more, um, I think, you know, Brene Brown, I love Joe, her. She's a queen. I literally, her and Glennon Doyle, like oh, I could love her. Like Glennon Doyle, I really, it's like those, they just say these things that like you live your life and you're reminded of like that one line that they said, like, mm -hmm. oh, just sticks with no, you. They have a beautiful way of like expressing and experience the, the human experience, you know? And everyone's like, oh, I was feeling that, but you were the only one that said it. Um, so she says something about like having, if you have this like bowl of shame. So like, for example, if I was like, um, like I was like, I don't like ice cream. Right. And I'm like feeling so insecure about the fact that I don't like ice cream. Um, and you cover it up with a lot more shame and you're like, okay. Um, that, that makes you like, how could you not like ice cream? So like, everyone likes ice cream. Right. And I like, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to tell anyone. So she says like, the more you cover it with more shame, like equals more shame right but when you have a bowl and you have something that makes you feel insecure or shameful or whatever and you decide you're gonna like tell a friend or I'm gonna tell Sophia or I'm going to um 
say, tell it like, oh my God, it makes you so unique that you have this, that like, I think opens the conversation and takes the shame away with like compassion and love and openness and just sharing it. Um, I don't know. I, I read, I'm like reading, honestly, I read a lot of like literature and I read like research about how to take away the stigma in the conversation. And I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. And for you too, I think a big thing, at least that I've noticed with my, my own mental health, right? Like I was one of those people that I'm like, I don't even want to address it. Like I'm not an emotional person by nature. Like I'm very much about like putting things in real, real deep, keeping it nice, locked real tight. And you know, yeah. every three years when I decide to break it, break it, it all comes out, you know? Yeah. Um, and it wasn't really until recently that I'm like, you know what? I think I just kind of like how you mentioned earlier, sit with your feelings and like, yeah. let yourself feel whatever it is that you're feeling and like face it head on. And a lot of that has to do with vulnerability and like letting yourself be vulnerable with your own emotions and whatever you, it is that you're feeling. What has that journey been like for you and any advice for people in addressing that? Because I think that's the first step. And you could correct me if you think differently, oh like, God, yeah, as far as wrong. the first step in addressing mental health. Yeah, no, I think you're spot on. I think, I, I feel like we just live in a culture where it's like, well, okay, what is vulnerability, right? Like I've thought about that. I'm like, okay, being honest. Well, yeah, I'm like pretty honest. And I share my thoughts a about really the things that I'm kind of comfortable sharing, but not going to lie, like vulnerability does also not come easy to me. There's a lot of things that I also keep tied up and like, I'm, you know, it's, it's really hard for me to share those things. Um, and I notice myself in the trap sometimes and I'm like, oh, there's that part of me that just doesn't want to share it because I want to, like, I think we have this innate want to like share like this facade of like, oh, I don't go through anything. I, everything's great. I'm like, quote unquote, strong, even though who decided that strong equal not being vulnerable, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like just being honest. And honestly, I'm really inspired by people who are really vulnerable. And I'm always like, wow, like their vulnerability allowed me to feel comfortable sharing things. And like, I want to create a space for other people where if I'm being like, I think if I'm being vulnerable and I'm sharing things that maybe don't make me quote unquote perfect, then I can allow other people to share, you know, whatever they feel like is shameful for them. And you just give that space to people. So that's what inspires me. I'm like, oh, wow, that person said that and allowed me to share this. And yeah, I want to do that for other people. And for you too, I know, um, I think the big hesitance with it is all the um, add-ons that come with mental health, right? Because mental health is the feelings and the emotions that you feel, but then it's people, you know, are like, how can we combat the issues around it, right? So we have journaling, we have meditation, we have yoga, we have all these other things that I think is at times either what invites people or it's what turns them away because it can at times be so overwhelming. Like, like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to sit every day with my thoughts yeah. and feelings and put a pen to paper and talk about it, you know, or I don't want to be in a yoga class for an hour, whatever the case is. What for you has kind of worked for you in your mental health journey um, or what you've observed from other people and their insights? Yeah, I mean, um, though, my gosh, I feel like everyone doesn't, no one wants to meditate. Like no one wants to do these things. I mean, cause it's uncomfortable and it's, it's hard to like sit with yourself and sit with your thoughts, but um Okay. So I think for me, I feel like everyone's always like meditate and it's like, well, you know what? Meditation just might not work for you. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. 
And I don't know if that's, you know, would be something a lot of mental health professionals would agree with, but you know, if it doesn't work, don't do it. Um, for you, I think the biggest thing is like, okay, so say it's like a scale of zero to 10, 10, you're like, uh, your mental health's awful. You're feeling stressed. You're feeling anxiety. You're literally on the verge of having a panic attack. If you're like a nine, like don't meditate because that's like the worst time to do it. You know, I think it's catching yourself before you get to like a five. So it's like having a practice, whether it's like every day I take a walk, it makes me feel good. Or I call a friend and that makes me feel good. Or, um, I read or I write, you know, journaling is not going to help everyone. Like maybe it's the workout class. Maybe it's hanging out with family. Maybe it's, you know, uh, once a week doing like this yoga class, I don't know, whatever it is for you. But before you get to the 10, I think for me personal, or sorry, before you get to the five, I think for me personally, love walks. That was like a new COVID addition that I added to my life. It was great. Um, therapy. And I try not to be like, everyone go to therapy because therapy I would love, no, I would love to hear about that because I feel yeah. myself, people in my industry, friend, close friends, mine, therapy is the topic of conversation we have all the time. It's like, yeah. you want to be, you're like one foot in one foot out. You're like, I'm intrigued. I'm interested. I yeah. would love to take part. However, there's still something holding me back. And I feel like across the board, that is the consensus that I get from almost anybody that I talk to. I mean, I, I personally, and, and honestly, I like to say that like therapy is a privilege and people don't realize that I try not to be like everyone, go, like I said, everyone go to therapy because it is expensive. If you have, if you don't have health insurance, honestly, forget about it. Unless you're willing to pay out of pocket, you know, fees that are expensive. Also, if you have insurance, a lot of times the behavioral health benefits are not enough to cover even a coat, like even, you know, half the cost for therapy. Also therapists. Okay. The ratio of people who are struggling with mental health on a daily basis and the amount of therapists right now, like there are too many people who are struggling with mental health issues and not enough therapists. And so obviously they're just in high demand and it's more expensive. Um, so I think, but I think with the idea of therapy, I don't know. I mean, I'm always trying to be a better version of myself. I'm like very into self-development to a point where like, it becomes a perfectionist thing. And I'm like, look, just be human. Okay. You don't need to dissect everything. Yeah. Um, so, human being, not human doing. There we go. Yeah. 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 It's like still a thing. Um, so I, I mean, I think their therapy therapists usually like take your lead, uh, sometimes. So I think going in with like your own goals and intentions, I I've noticed that people therapists, I don't think, like I said, I'm not a therapist, aren't really supposed to push you to a point of things like you don't want to talk about or places you don't want to go. So I think creating like this trusting relationship with a therapist to the point where, um, you know, it's comfortable. They really shouldn't be pushing you to be talking about or dissecting things or unpacking things you don't want to unpack. Um, and there's so many different types of therapists. Oh my gosh. And so many different types of therapy. Um, I feel like if you're interested, definitely try it out if you like are able to do it. Um, but it's also not the end all be all. I love that. That you unpacked a lot. And I definitely think that that is for sure the way to go about it. And it's just mental health at all. It's kind of like whatever works for you. Yeah. You. Oh, there's I'm so many on the walk. So for me, like nature is right. My I mean, thing. San Diego. So you have the beaches, you have, but even, even in every place that I've lived in, you know, I've, it, it, nature is different in every part of the U S yeah. right. And I've managed to find 
whatever works for me. Like before I used to be a big water girl. And then when I did, wasn't near the water, then I was like, now I'm a big hiker girl. And now that I have both, I take my pick depending on the day. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah, 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 yeah. It just depends. But I think fresh air, you know, sunshine. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. Tell me a little bit, if you had any, um, like a lasting piece of advice, words that you live by, what are they? Oh, that's good. Um, you know, everywhere I go, I always have some sort of butterfly on. I was like holding it, you know, and I always, I think knowing that my mom is with me all the time. Um, and so having that like faith component has really helped me. And, you know, I honestly sometimes just sit and I think about my mom, call it a prayer, call it, a, call it like meditation, whatever. Um, but just sitting there and like feeling like my mom is here and re remembering what it feels like to be in the presence of my mom. Um, and I mean, she'll send me signs um, when I'm not looking for it and, you know, knowing that she's always guiding me. So I think that's in something, but also I think a lot of times I get stuck because I feel like I want this easy, rosy path and I get really frustrated when I'm like, this feels so unfair. Um, and I go back, I feel like I always go back. And, and this is something I love is there's this Japanese art called Kintugi. I honestly might be saying this wrong, Kintugi or something, okay? I will, I will trust you in it. I'm following you on this path, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, 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 just, just hold on, hold on. Um, keep your shirt on everyone. So um, it's this art where they take all the broken pieces of pottery and they put it together with this beautiful gold, um, like lacquer. And it's this beautiful representation of picking up your broken pieces and creating it into something beautiful. And it's about resilience and understanding that like, if you have this beautiful bowl with all these cracks that's covered and this gold lacquer, it doesn't make you, it makes you stronger and it, it, makes you wiser. And I think sometimes I go back to that and I reaffirm myself and like the rebuild and the resilience of moving forward in face of a tragedy and something that feels awful and getting stronger every single day and using my mom's strength. And so seeing something that feels like your world is falling apart and building the pieces back up with not just glue, gold lacquer. Gold lacquer, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, gold lacquer. <laughs> I love that. And making it into something really beautiful, which I'm working on. Is It will be a process, but um, yeah. I love that. I love that. Sloan, I cannot thank you enough. Of course. Your amazing insight. Thank you for being vulnerable today and for, for sharing your story. I appreciate it. Um, and as always, if you'd like to learn more about Sloan, we will have her social links down below and you can always catch a new episode of the spotlight every Thursday. Thanks, Sloan. Thank you.